Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tiger fans, welcome to a very special episode of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C., be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show, and everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. And welcome back to another episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. This is your co-host Neely, and today I'm normally on his right. But today he's on my right. I got no other than the stat man. Today he's my right-hand man, Charles Chuck Bishop. Charles, glad to have you back and, and hosting another episode of Tiger Talk. Brother, how you doing? I'm doing well, Neely. I'll tell you what, it's always fun being on with the people's champ, and I get a chance to uh, sit over here in the co-pilot seat, if you will, and, yeah. and, and get a chance to enjoy this maneuvering over here. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I tell you what, man, this is uh, – going to be a good episode to enjoy some maneuvering. You know, Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club exists uh, for the promotion of JSU athletics and, and betterment of our student-athletes in all sports and all regards. But with this being Black History Month, we want to bring in another series this month and add on some shows that were bigger uh, than sports. JSU has a historic prominence uh, with its impact on sports, but JSU is also more than just athletics. So we want to bring in, you know, a new flavor for, uh, for February and bring in some guests uh, that have a, have a different and deeper impact uh, as it relates to mm-hmm. black history and Jackson State's impact on the culture and the world uh, in politics, religion, you know, in business, you name it. And I think our first guest, man, is, is uh, in this series, Black History Month series, is just a good person to set that tone, Chuck, because he touches, you know, all of those things. Um, yeah. And so... I'm not going to give a big introduction of him, Chuck, because, you know, we're going to introduce him in our conversation. But I do want to say that he is a graduate of Jackson State, and not just a graduate of Jackson State, but he's in that ever-historic class of 1970. And we all know about the Gibbs Green events on uh, May 15th of 1970, and our guest was there and has gone on to lead a stellar life and contributing to the community after that. James Lap Baker, we want to welcome you to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. How are you doing today, Lap? Oh, I'm blessed. Anytime I wake up, uh, I tell people routinely that uh, I'm blessed anytime I wake up because that means that God has blessed me, you know, because a lot of people didn't wake up. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm here. And, you know, this has been a, a challenging and different year for us as far as the you know, getting on now 12 months in the pandemic. Uh, how are you and your family and friends, you know, navigating that? Everybody good? Everybody's doing great. You know, um, I don't take any chances. As a matter of fact, um, my barber, um, who has the barbershop right there on Link Street, uh, Adams uh, uh, Corner, mm-hmm. um, Mr. Adams had uh, contracted the virus and, um, uh, I hadn't. He's the only person who I've ever uh, let 
uh, cut my hair out, and uh, he called me to let me know that he was back, you know, for uh, been back a few weeks, you know, and I hadn't had a haircut in almost a year now. But mm-hmm. uh, I just can't, I still can't take that chance and um, go into a barbershop, you know, and I know better, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that right now. And plus, I haven't gotten my vaccine yet. But mm-hmm. everybody's doing doing great. You know, I have some friends uh, from Picayune, Mississippi, in Pearl River County who caught the virus and who passed away, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there are just some things that we need to do. We need to be more cautious about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I was yeah. in the healthcare business, but we need to be more cautious, especially as a race of people. No doubt, and and, and Lap, that's a yes, good sir. segue, man, into a lot of subjects we're going to touch on on this episode with you because you have worked in, you know, healthcare and worked in, in planning and to better my our people. Uh, but Chuck, I, I won't I won't Lap to you know share with us. He mentioned he mentioned that uh, that Picayune and you know that. Uh, that, that athletic prowess from down in the world. So, you know, I know yeah. you finished Jackson State in 1970, but talk to us about your path to get to Jackson State, uh, and then we kind of go into Gibbs Green and, and pivot that into your professional life. Okay, yeah. Like I said, you know, um, I was born in Picayune, Mississippi, which is uh, which we called on the Gulf Coast in Pearl River County. Mm-hmm. And uh, I attended George Washington Carver High School where – um, in high school, my senior year, you know, I was an honor student. Um, I started at quarterback for the football team my senior year. I started at um, point guard for my basketball team my senior year and started pitcher uh, for the baseball team. Our football team um, were national, was national champions. And um, uh, for years, uh, not only just in the state of Mississippi, but national in the in the country, mm-hmm. we uh, won 64 consecutive games without a defeat. And coincidentally, wow. um, the team that stole the game from us, we came here to Jackson and played Jim Hill my junior year. And Jim no, Hill, wait, not, not, uh, not, not, you, you ain't even a bad mouth Jim Hill on my show. <laughs> yes, yeah, we have to. <laughs> I tell the guys all, all, the, all the time, these are, and they're good friends of mine, but I tell them all the time. They start laughing when I tell them. I say, you all know you stole the, stole the game because of Fuji Klein, you know, all of them. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they know what happened. But anyway, <laughs> um, our record stood that 64 consecutive games without a defeat stood for 43 years in the state of Mississippi until South Panola High School mm-hmm. broke the record in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to tell you this. This is uh, not not sports, but uh, when I was in the third grade, I was in the high school marching band playing drums. Me and my brothers and all, we were, we were uh, in elementary school. I was an all-state drummer, concert and marching band. But uh, <laughs> my junior year, my high school football coach, who was a graduate of Jackson State, he played with um, um, uh, most of the, the older um, Coach Hill and uh, Rod Page, um, all of those guys. You know, he, he played ball with Marion Henley. Uh, he's in the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. He physically yeah. took me out of the band. 
and uh, <laughs> made me play football. And uh, <laughs> that's what I wanted to do anyway. He knew I wanted to, to do it. But I attended Jackson State College uh, mm-hmm. in 1966. And I graduated with honors and was selected uh, who's who among students in American colleges and universities in 1969. Um, I resided initially at Stewart Hall. um, And I used to always hang out on the corner of Lynch and Dalton, right there where the the corner boys used to hang hang out. And I did that so I could protect. Uh, the students who weren't um, as vocal uh, as I was. And and uh, when they would walk down the street, you know, Lit Street used to be lit up, and uh, it was like Bourbon Street and all. But uh, some of the guys from uh, from the corner there, they would try to take their girlfriends and stuff, and I would be right there at the mailbox, sitting on the mailbox, telling them, leave them alone, man, you know. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I received a scholarship to attend San Jose State University uh, in 1970, and uh, I became the first black or African-American to receive a master's degree in urban and regional planning from San Jose State University, and I also became the first black African-American professional city planner, planner to ever work uh, in the history of San Jose uh, planning department. In 1974, uh, I left San Jose and accepted a position uh, to become the first black African-American uh, professional city planner to work with the Louisville and Jefferson County Planning Commission in Louisville, Kentucky. I spent three years there, and in 77, I decided to return to Mississippi and accepted a position as director of planning and research for the what used to be the Mississippi Health Systems Agency. Um, I supervised the development of the health plan for the state of Mississippi from 1977 to 86, and I was the first and only black to this day to ever supervise the writing and development of the health plans for the state. Uh, I became the president and founder of Comprehensive Planning Consultant, which I um, I created, and that was the first and only black African-American professional planning consultant firm in the state of Mississippi. In 19, um, 1996, uh, I was employed uh, as director of planning and administration for the Hines County Department of Public Works, and uh, I stayed there for 17 years, and wrote grants, which I didn't have to do. I wrote that for the Board of Supervisors and for the Hines County Planning, I mean, Public Works Department, totaling over $7 million. Um, I wrote the uh, four-year road and bridge construction and maintenance plan for Hines County Department of Public Works for 17 years. Uh, I created the first surveillance system for illegal dumping in the history of Mississippi for Hines County. I also created the first rubberized asphalt project in the history of Hines County. Um, I um, got grants to develop the surveillance system for illegal dumping and rubberized asphalt. Those grants came from the Mississippi Department of uh, Environmental Quality. Um, 
Before I retired, though, I also created the Hines County Waste Tire Program. I uh, created the Hines County Local Solid Waste Enforcement Officers Program with the assistance of former uh, Hines County Sheriff Malcolm McMillan. Uh, I created the Scrap Metal Program, and I worked with Jackson State University to establish the funding for its current uh, computer recycling program. They've had that; it has had that program for at well over twenty years now. Hmm. And um, like I said, I spent seventeen years with Hines County. I retired from Hines County um, June thirtieth. Um, 2013, but uh, I'm also a poet, a singer, and a songwriter, and I recorded as a soloist. I did that in 1987. I wrote and recorded my own two solos, and uh, I recorded also with two of my frat brothers who I made in the fraternity at Jackson State, James Staples and uh, Willie Ray Norwood, who was the father of Brandy and Ray Jack. I um, served for 20 years plus on the as the only, first and only black board of director for the Mississippi chapter of the Solid Waste Association of North America. And I created the first uh, legislative bill to protect and include sanitation vehicles uh, and workers as emergency vehicles in the state of Mississippi. I got that bill introduced through another Jackson State alumnus, uh, State Senator Hillman Frazier. A lot of people don't yeah. uh, mention Hillman as much as they should. Hillman is quiet, but he does a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And I, I also want to say this. Um, Jackson State, what happened on May 15th and the four years uh, prior to that, my uh, attending Jackson State, and and everybody on that campus basically knew each other. And we had over 6,500 students um, in attendance at Jackson State during that particular time. And just about everybody knew each other. That's what's mm-hmm. so good about it. When I taught over there for 24 years, I used to walk up into my classes, and I would, the first thing I would ask my students, the first thing was this. How many of you know what happened on this campus on May 15, 1970? And not one hand would go up. And I said, that, I, I am very, very, very discouraged and, and ticked. And that's when I started teaching over there in 1979. And I went and talked with uh, my frat brother who was the president, and that was Dr. John A. Peoples, and I told him, that I was, I was mad. And he said, Lap, whatever you want to do, if you want to create, I said, I want to start a program where every year they start recognizing and get history on what happened here. And we created the first program to commemorate and to look back on what happened. That was in 1980. That was the first um, um Program. As a matter of fact, and if I might do this, I wrote a poem. Well, most people call them poems. I call them black experiences. I wrote it in 1971 when I was in San Jose, 
because of what happened on May 15, 1970. And the title of it is, When Does It End, Lord? You know, Lap, that is, man, uh, all of those accomplishments that you've had and, and giving your mother in Jackson State the credit for, so many things you've been, you know, not only were you the first in those positions, uh, but but you've also created programs that are that are still going on. So hats off to you for that. And I know you know Chuck is just uh, a student of statistics and, and history and, and loves you know sports history, but also loves that era. So 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 Chuck, man, I know you I know you got some questions you want to throw at him. Oh no doubt, no doubt, uh, Mr. Baker. I, I, it is it's an honor to have you on uh, Tiger Talk, and I wanted to ask this question because I am completely fascinated by this time period uh, in American history. Uh, we're talking uh, post-Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, a time when you enter college in 1966, and you kind of take a look at the totality of American history at this time. You're in college uh, during the assassination of, of Dr. King, 1968, of Bobby Kennedy, 1968, uh, the Vietnam War era. I'm very curious in terms of uh, the psyche of the uh, African-American student at Jackson State College during this time because it is a very tumultuous time uh, and a phase within the civil rights movement uh, where we're almost sort of transitioning uh, to a black nationalist uh, sort of time frame. So I'm curious in terms of what was the psyche of the students around that time? Well, you know what? Uh is is I'm glad you asked that question. And when you when you first started referencing the question, I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. Uh, tears almost started coming down my my eyes, you know, uh, because my mind uh, went back to 1968. And as mm. a matter of fact, when that happened, um, I'll never forget uh, April 4th. 1968. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the students who was a good friend of mine, he was a year ahead of me, that was his birthday, Claude McCann. Mm. Um, um, but anyway, when the students heard that Martin Luther, all you could hear were, were the students um, hollering out and saying, they, they killed Martin Luther King. And everybody got, excuse my French, everybody got pissed off. People have to understand that during, during those years at Jackson State, there were students, I would say 99% of all the students at Jackson State from 6 to well, beyond 6 to 6, um, but anyway, I'm speaking of those four years. Mm-hmm. They didn't take anything off of anybody, and that included whites, blacks, or anyone. And whites used to come drive through Lynch Street. Lynch Street used to come directly through the campus. But we closed that. We Mm -hmm. closed it. Okay? I'll get to that later. But when Martin Luther was assassinated, we started marching and protesting. And as a matter of fact, that in May... You know, school was ending, and when I went home to Picayune, we still had marches. 
mm-hmm. and protest down in Picayune, mm-hmm. Mississippi. And yes, sir. Uh, white folks were, were ticked off or pissed off, you know, that we were marching and protesting. But you saw a big difference. Then right after that, um, you know, Robert Kennedy, he was shot. And you could see yeah. that that uh, all of this was in a in a plan, you know. And Martin Luther was coming during a time where he had not only gotten black folks together, but he had gotten whites and other racial groups together, supporting yes, him, you see. And mm-hmm. the people who you see right now uh, on January 6th who went up to the Capitol, mm-hmm. they're part of the same people, you know, who... Um, um, were in opposition to what Martin Luther was trying to uh, push forward, and that was equal rights and voting rights and uh, fair housing. And, and, it, and he was the person, when he was shot and killed, and keep this in mind, in Memphis, I mentioned that I created the first legislative bill to protect the sanitation workers and all. That's why Martin yes, sir. was yeah. in Memphis, okay? Mm-hmm. He was in Memphis to protect. That was over. I created the bill, which was, Jesus, well over 30, um, no, well over 50, uh, 52 years after he was assassinated. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, wow. 56 years. But the key thing is this, and if people really look back over, and I mention this quite often to people, I'd say, think about this. The four um, blacks who were uh, on the balcony, including uh, uh, Martin, they were mm-hmm. all members of four of the four black fraternities. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Jesse Jackson, Omega, you know, and all. But, but watch this. When they shot and killed uh, Martin Luther, you didn't see those individuals um, marching and protesting together. I'm talking about those who were... Um, close to Martin, like Ralph Abernathy, Abernathy, you know, and just they kind of disappeared. But they resurfaced afterwards. You know, they resurfaced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what it reminds me of? If you look back in the Bible, when they uh, brought Jesus Christ to be crucified. Jesus had already told uh, Peter that he would deny him three times. He told Thomas that uh, uh, that he would doubt him, mm-hmm. but he knew uh, homeboy was going to betray him. You know, Judas. But they all. I talk about this in Sunday school a lot. Peter denied him when they asked him. They said, wait a minute. Uh, 
you were the one who was with him. Went, no, not me. Because they got afraid. They were afraid. Hmm. I always tell my students at Jackson State, and I'm, I'm just reiterating something. I said, white folks are preliminary planners. They plan ahead. Black folks have become reactionary planners. We wait until something arises, and then we try to deal with it. That mm-hmm. wasn't the way our ancestors and the blacks during the um, 60s and then slaves, how they handled things. When sure. blacks were singing, swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry you home, Master thought they were just singing gospel songs. No, they were saying, get ready. We're going up. To, we're going to take you up to the freedom land. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. see? So here again, and I'm relating all of this because all of this is interrelated. Regardless of what time period it happens, it's still interrelated, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. that was devastating when Martin Luther was shot and killed. Then Robert Kennedy yes, was shot and killed, you see. But look at what's been going on. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to let you get back to your question. What we have now, we see white law enforcement officers shooting and killing um, black men. But watch this now. I want you to, want you to watch this. I tell people about this routinely. The next day or two days afterward, we'll see thousands of blacks and whites marching in protest. Black Lives Matter. I'm not. I I am I'm, I'm in favor of Black Lives Matter, but I think Black Lives. I know Black Lives should matter, not only when a law, white law enforcement officer kills a black, but when we kill each other, they should matter. Okay. Now you don't see anybody marching. Jackson had over 136 homicides last year. Mm. We're on pace right now, just this month, this past month, we're on pace to break that record. Mm -hmm. You see? But I haven't Mm -hmm. seen anyone marching and protesting. But if a white kills a black, we want to, we'll get out there and, you know, have thousands and thousands to march and protest and, it's just like what happened um, years ago, maybe 20-plus or more years ago when a young black was uh, shot and killed up outside of Shreveport. Um, a white officer shot this young brother, and, and it was my, one of my former pastors' uh, hometown. They called um, for um, what's it, uh, Al Sharpton to come and uh, uh, lead them. And they had to pay him. Watch this now. They had to sell fish plates on the weekends in order to pay him for coming down and and speaking. When they couldn't sell any more uh, fish plates, he stopped coming. Mm -hmm. See, my point is this. Mm -hmm. It has gotten to the position and point where these, quote, so-called black leaders are not really black leaders. I don't really see us having any black leaders right now, not real black leaders. I see those who they want to make money. They get their money, and uh, and that's it. 
But um, I think people have to just look back, and I'm glad you brought that question up, you know, because our students were very sincere and dedicated to the movement uh, during the 60s. And yes, sir. It had a lot to do with our strength, even on May 15, 1970. Now, the Vietnam War, yes, we, we had some protests, but a lot of people tried to um, say that, oh, um, the students were protesting the Vietnam War. That's why uh, the shooting occurred. That's a lie. That yeah. is not. What we were protesting was racism, white vehicles and motorists coming through that campus, hollering out the N-word, cursing the students, throwing rocks and bottles at it, and they were dealing with the wrong uh, young folks. Mm. What they gave us, we gave it back to them. Right. And that's what created what happened, you know, that night. But all of that was a follow-up from what happened in 1968. Yes, sir. All of that. Now, let, let me let me ask you this. You know, we sure. uh, because Chuck brings out you know an excellent uh, point in that. Just what was taking place in that era of of your college life and you know your upbringing and and, and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and so you have you know I'm I'm a musician. I, I ain't sing with Brandy Daddy, but I'm a musician, so I use words like crescendo. <laughs> you know, they okay. taught me a little something over there, at Jim Hill. So you, you have this crescendo taking place in socioeconomics and, and, and civil rights, and, uh-huh. and it's coming to a head, you know, leading up to May 15, 1970. But I, I got a question for you, and it's kind of in two parts. Um, sure. Because we're all the sum of our experiences. You know, we're the sum of our environments and our experiences. And, you know, the old saying, you are what you eat. And it doesn't that don't right. mean anything about food. It's what you take in. So having uh-huh. been in that environment, and then later in life, really in short order thereafter, becoming involved in urban planning. And then you're dealing with this issue of white motorists driving through a college campus. Uh, Uh You're dealing with this issue of law enforcement murdering students, because that's what it was Uh in assassination. Uh, How how did all – I want you to take us through that night and then take us through how that later shaped you in molding your professional career in planning because you have this in you. Okay. Well, leading up to that night, uh, and, and I, I live uh, right behind Jackson State um, on Morehouse and Cleveland Avenue. Yes, sir. And uh, right in those apartment complex, we had to, me, Philip Dotson, and his brother, Herb Dotson, we had the first apartment there, the Smiths. Uh, built those two uh, apartments. Well, they're still there right now. But anyway, we just come through, you know, walk up, uh, Bill Overton, all the frat brothers and all, Roslyn, Roslyn McGee, she and your mother and Judy uh, Johnson, all of them were very close friends and all of us. We, mm-hmm. we had our groups. We had our groups. But at the same time, when we would, Go downtown and keep in mind this had happened back in '68. Just because it was two years uh, prior to 1970 doesn't mean that we had forgotten. Because even to this day we have forgot what mm-hmm. happened. But yes, 
we were coming um, back from uh, from the from down down uh, Lynch Street, and me, Philip Dotson, and um, uh, one other I forgot who else was with us. But anyway, we were coming back. We had a had a little uh, quarter beer. We were going back to the apartment, and um, we saw the young brothers, students. You know, they were throwing rocks at these cars. And they said, wait a minute, what's happening, man? And uh, they coming through here uh, throwing stuff at us. I said, look, we're getting ready to get out of here, man. We got graduation coming. Y'all, just let's let it let it slide down. You know, we, we're going to have to do something about this now. We, you know, they said, okay, okay, we're going we're gonna to let it go. We're going to let it go. I said, all right. So we went on to, to the apartment, came back, and the whites came back through the campus again, doing the same stuff. And when they did it this time, you know, they let them up again. But everything got quiet. Students didn't work doing anything. You know, this was really May 14th. Mm-hmm. Everybody was just laying laying out on the uh, on the grass of Alexander Hall, mm-hmm. guys and uh, and young ladies, and they were hanging out the window, and then. On the other side, you had hundreds, me, Cornell Warner, who played with the Los Angeles Lakers and all. We were running partners and stuff, you know. Snake Warner, all yes, of sir. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's my, we, we talk routinely. Yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. anyway, he and Ben Watkins, Ben passed away. Ben was a starting um, forward. For Jackson State basketball team. Let me let me let me say this: draw draw our listeners a picture because one thing about this show, it, it really uh-huh. serves as a as a gap bridging that gap between you know Jackson State generations. So I, I want uh-huh. them to visualize what you're describing. Um, you know, you and I and Chuck and Chuck, we know Alexander as it, it was an all female dorm, uh, and it faces right. it faces south. You know, right in front of what's right. now the plaza, uh, across the street. Uh, is uh, uh, what what the yeah, dining right. hall is now like a yeah, Roberts Hall was your dining hall and it's now right. I think a financial aid building. But so it when is. you hear That's Lap right. say you know laying out on the grass, so imagine the grass in front of Alexander Hall the way that dorm is shaped. You then had right. Lynch Street, which was a thoroughfare. It was literally a street, and across right. the street was the dining hall. Uh, right. And, and so this is where you and Snake Warner and everybody were were hanging right. out that night. And they and they had a fence there. They had a fence mm-hmm. on both sides. So we were, you know, we came, uh, we decided to, you know, let's leave the apartment and go out with the students, you know. We just sat in there. We were standing up, holding the fence and everything. It was quiet as I don't know what, man. And it started getting a little late and stuff, you know. First of all, um, the governor, um, I think it was, John Bell Williams, he had called in the National Guard. But the National Guard never did come up on the campus. They never did. Mm-hmm. So they were outside of the campus. So um, Now, Lap, when you say there, outside, you know, Lynch Street is right. running in east words, and west. Were, were they, were they Prentice was. Street or Rose Street? That was, they were, they were down almost in between Rose and Dalton, and the okay. um, young princess. Got you. So mm. both both okay. sides of the campus going going west, you know. But mm-hmm. they never came mm-hmm. on to the campus. Got you. Sure. All right. So all of a sudden, 
and I'm going to get to where where it was. You know, okay, everybody was laying around. It, it, it was quiet and everything, you know. So it was getting close to um, close to midnight. That's how it became May 15th. But anyway, we started hearing some clicking, you know, clacking like somebody was marching and stuff, you know. So what the hell is this? And all of a sudden, you hear these footsteps coming from Printer Street up towards um, BFW, BF Roberts and Alexander Hall. And we looked. I said, look at that man. I said, Highway Patrol and City Police. They marched up. This guy stepped out, and I eventually uh, found out his name was Lawrence Jones. And I'm going to tell you Goon about Jones. him. Yeah, Goon Jones. Yeah. Hey, you know, Dad, you my know family from Simpson County, we know him. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> you know he was killed, yeah. right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, all right. But anyway, he stepped out with a bullhorn. He said, may I have your attention, please? Nobody has, was saying anything. We're just sitting around. And when he said, may I have your attention, please, a student heard a bottle, and it burst on Lynch Street. When that bottle burst, all you could hear was this. They started shooting on both sides of the campus. And all you could hear was students, oh, 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 oh. I got down, me, Cornell, we got down and crawled. All I could see was fire going over my head. This was on the BF Robert side now. They shot, James Green was killed right uh, by the fence on BF Robert side. Mm-hmm. Philip Gibbs was shot and killed on Alexander Hall side of Lett Street. So, they... They ended up uh, shooting over 400 rounds on both sides of the campus, Hmm. over 400 rounds. And the president, Johnny Peoples, came out. We went to the apartment. When I got to the apartment, I had a 22 there, and I said, I'm going back out there. They said, no, left, don't go. You're misrunning their key. And they talked me out of it, you know. But Now, this is the same 22 back, that, that you and Bill would target practice in the house at a beer can over in the corner? Yeah, 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 that was on Central Street, so, and, yeah. yeah, and the bullet was flying across the, uh, across the room, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah, well, me, Bill, and Philip Johnson, we were shooting at a can inside the, uh, it's a, <laughs> but uh, anyway, we went back to the campus. And everything had quieted down. They had gotten all of the shells up, and they had left. And, and that's when John A. People came out, and he had good head, Gene mm-hmm. Young. 
Good bro. To stand up on a, on a chair, a, a, a little stool or something, and he recited, I Have a Dream by Martin Luther King. Mm. And it quieted everybody down. And wow. But that, that next day, they had, had some marches, and we gathered, you know, out there by the dormitory and saw how it was shot up and everything and, and the other side. And, but John A., People don't give him the type of credit that he should receive. John A. People stood with the students. Mm. That's right. He stood with the students. He didn't back down, back down from the system. But he wanted to protect the students, and so he said, we're going to close the school down. The students, we need to, we, everybody needs to leave and go home. We're not going to have graduation. Mm. Your, your your diplomas and everything would be mailed to you. That's how I got mine. It was uh, it was mailed to, you know. But wow, I had to leave to go down to Picayune, but I also had to leave to go to California for grad school. And I kept hearing that during the during the trial, they said that they saw a sniper. One said on the second floor, third floor, and all. And I kept saying, that, I wouldn't give a damn where you if you saw a sniper and that was done the hall, when the hell are you shooting on the B.F. Roberts side? Mm-hmm. Or or at ground level, if the sniper was on the ground. That's right. That's where Philip Gibbs was on the ground, mm-hmm. you see. And those who were wounded. Vernon Wheatley, Swalo was wounded. Swalo was laying down there talking with some of the girls. You know, um, but mm. they were lying, and no one has been charged for that since then. You see, but yeah. I used to tell my students, what happened then can always happen again, because history has a way of repeating itself. Yes, sir. It does. I wanted to ask this question in terms of of looking at the events of May 15, 1970, and mm-hmm. do you think that it fundamentally changed uh, the political climate, the, the, the socioeconomic climate of, of blacks in Jackson after that event? You know, um, personally, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it actually did. I don't think the intent did. I think it could have, and I'm not specifying, I think that it could have had um, some connections to um, helping uh, blacks get together politically, okay, because Mm -hmm. our population was, you know, we were recognizing our population then, okay? Mm-hmm. But um, keep in mind, even when I moved back here in 77, their um, banks was the mayor. They still yes. had a commission form of government here. That's right. Okay? Now, and it took a long time now 
before black mm-hmm. became mayor, wasn't it Harvard who was the first Harvard Johnson. black? Yeah, we went we to a council mm-hmm. in 85, 86, and, okay. and then it still took, you know, what, another okay. 10 to 15 years before we had a black mayor? Plus. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's, that's my point. I don't think they had mm-hmm. a direct impact upon, quote, socioeconomic um, benefits for blacks or political benefits. I think that's something that came about through recognition. Keep in mind, we had some, in my opinion, some real uh, black leaders there, like Henry Curtis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. sir. That, and that's who I was thinking about when I asked that question in terms of okay. uh, the changing landscape of, of the political climate, because you do get the, the Henry Kirksey, the, uh, uh who who step into the forefront. And, and that's, you know, kind of where, where I was going with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you well, know, I'll say, right say this, Chuck, and, 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 and to lap, um, you know, when I, when I think of Gibbs Green, I was born in 71, so, you know, clearly I was not there. But when I think about the political and economic ripples from it, even with Senator Kirksey and his fighting for us to have uh, – you know, a seat at the table via a council government so that an area uh-huh. like Jackson State wouldn't have uh, one of a white commissioner but could have a legislative branch via uh, a council seat. Uh, and, uh-huh. you know, just and, I, and, and literally just personally, you know, I not only went on to become a, the city council member representing Ward 5 where Jackson State is, years after that, when I was in the governor's office, I was the liaison senior policy advisor over the highway patrol. And, uh-huh. and so I vividly can recall, you know, going back to campus in those positions for Gibbs Green's events that Lap Baker started and that were growing. And now here you have, you know, in May 15, 1970, zero representation. And you fast uh-huh. forward, say, 20 years to the 1991, now we got a council former government. You fast forward uh-huh. 10 years of that, now you got a black guy that that works in the governor's office that that's guiding the highway patrol. So you know you, I think you can Chuck from that moment in time, May fifteenth, clearly chart you know a, a bar graph, if you will, to see where trajectory mm-hmm. in Jackson changed. But I'm with Lap. I just don't think it was immediate. And, and then I yeah. say this, and I'm including our, our current guest. You think about what Lap Baker after that night went on to accomplish, but it doesn't just stop there. Eddie Jean Carver's Miss Jackson State, and, and look what mm. she's done in government in the city of Jackson. So, it, I think that that push forward that night, the real, mm-hmm. I think we're still living in the not only in the struggle because the struggle continues, but I think we're still living in the benefits of that night. You know, with the catalysts that have come from that night because there were mm-hmm. some true leaders not only on that campus, but they went on to become bigger leaders and gave back even more. Think about how many things that our guest, Lap Baker, said he was the first of. And one thing that he hadn't said it yet, Chuck, but one thing I'll say for Lap, because we share many programs together, um, he doesn't want to be the first. He wants to work to make sure he's not the last one. That's right. So you hear a lot of people say, oh, I was the first this, but no one came after you. Right, and, and you know that what? lets you know that you got work to do. See, Daryl, I'm glad you said that because um, when I moved back here, a lot of blacks used to, uh, and some of my students, they used to say, 
oh, Mr. Baker, you need to put all of that in your resume. I said, listen, I said, being the first to me doesn't mean a thing if there are no seconds, thirds, fourths, fifths, mm-hmm. infinity. Because being the first, if you're the only one, you're the first and last and only. So it doesn't, it, it, it's that being the first has to have some um, some replications, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Others have to mm-hmm. come behind you, you know, and, mm-hmm. and get in that position. I helped bring a black guy. He was a lawyer. But he also had a planning degree. He's still in Louisville, Kentucky. I helped him get to the Louisville and Jefferson County Planning uh, Commission, and we still communicate. And here's another thing. Let me let me say this also. I left San Jose in 1974 and left Louisville, Kentucky in 1977. Let me show you something about blackness and friendship real brotherhood and friendship. Do you realize that every week since 1974, the brothers and sisters who I knew and still know from San Jose, Compton, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Oakland, Antioch, Sacramento, we still talk every week. Do you realize that all of the brothers and sisters that I knew up in Louisville, Kentucky, that we talk every week as well? We've been doing this for 43 years. The ones in, in California, we've been doing it for 46 years. That's real brotherhood and friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and you know, that's one of the things that, that Chuck and I always stress um, and, again, the, typically this show is about JSU athletics, uh, but mm-hmm. the bigger picture of Jackson State, when you talk about those people from those places and those walks of life, when they mm-hmm. met you and mm-hmm. and they continue to talk to you, mm-hmm. they are talking to 1400 Lynch Street. That's you right. Know, the, the, the ripple effect of what comes from Jackson State University literally touches the world in black history. I'm, I'm, and here again, Dad, I'm glad you said that also because let me give you an example of something. I was, uh, I live, I moved out of the, uh, the, I was staying with the chairman of the geography department of San Jose State, the white man and his wife and children. I was staying, I stayed there about, about a week and a half or so because I was on, that was on 13th Street. I looked in the phone book. For Omega Sci-Fi, and I saw 335 South 11th Street. I said, that's just two blocks over. So I told him that I was going to go and check it out. To make a long story short, I ended up moving into the frat house with the brothers. And when they realized that I was from Mississippi, from Jackson State, they said, Jackson State, they didn't know about the shooting because the media didn't cover it the shooting at Jackson State like it covered Kent State. Kent State, mm-hmm. Yeah. Kent yeah. State is all predominantly white, Jackson State predominantly black. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something uh, after I tell you this because this relates directly to what Darrell just mentioned. The brother said, you're from Mississippi? I said, yes. 
Oh yeah, so so you you pick cotton? I said, uh, I said, you see, brother, that's part of the problem with, um, and I'm gonna use this term because uh, I don't generally use it. I said that's part of the problem with niggas like you. Hmm. I said <laughs> you think that people from Mississippi we pick cotton. No. I said where I'm from they have shrimp, oysters, catfish, trout, crabs, I said even some eels. I said, but you wouldn't know anything about that. I said, as a matter of fact, where are you where are you from? Oh, I'm from Oakland. I said, were you born in Oakland? I knew they were lying because they, in geography and history, I had already um, uh, seen the migration of blacks, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, to the West Coast and to the North and Midwest. So I said, uh, you, you were born in Oakland? Well, no, you know, my family moved out here. Uh, I was born in, in New Iberia. I said, so you're from Louisiana. Hmm. Wait, yeah. I said, what about you? I said, you born in San, San Francisco? Well, no, I was born in, uh, you know, I was born in Alabama. I said, so, yeah, damn it. I said, you all are from the South. <laughs> <laughs> and you moved to California. Mm-hmm. I said, so, stop talking that kind of language to me. I said, you understand me? I said, do you all know anything about what happened at, uh, on Jackson State College campus on May 15th? I said, just a few months ago. This is when that first one happened. No, we hadn't heard it. I said, that's another part of the problem. I said, but do you know about Kent State? Yeah, they, uh, the National Guard shot up. For, I said, because they were white. That's why you know about it. So I'm saying that to say this, and this is what I did. On February 21st, 2020, this is before Alice Trebek passed. He was, uh, I watched his program, uh, Jeopardy, every day at 3.30. And I was watching it on February 21st. And the last question to the three contestants, who were all white, the question mm. was this. Name the college campus where students were shot and killed in May of 1970. I said, wow. I know damn well, all of them going to say Kent State, and they're not going to mention Jackson State. And all mm-hmm. of them said Kent State. They had it correct. So this is what I did. I wrote a letter to Alex Trebek, a page and a half, about, the answer or the question that he gave and the answer that he received. I said, only 50% of the, of the answer was correct. I said, the other 50% was Jackson State College. I had no idea that he would respond and write me back. Wow. He wrote me back and apologized. I'm serious. Mm. I have, I got a copy. I sent it to Dr. Robert Lucky at Jackson State and Margaret Walker. Uh, mm-hmm. Alexander Cultural Center, so it, it would have a copy of. He he said that's part of the problem. We 
didn't know that. He said, I'm sorry and I appreciate what you have done. I kept that letter and my letter that I, um, that I wrote to him because I went into details and I told him. But here again, that was 50 years since the damn shooting and even Jeopardy didn't know. Mm-hmm. 50 years. 50 you, you know, years. I'm going to ask a, a real simplistic question, uh, Mr. Baker. Uh, why do that. you think, why, why, why do you think that that is the case why in this, in this you know, uh, information age, if you will, that that shooting still has not resonated in the American psyche like Kent State had. Where are we? This is called what? The United States of America. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Right? I keep telling people, you saw what happened on January 6th. This is still, regardless of what anyone says, this country is the most racist country in the world. Mm. And it's still can't get over the fact that black folks, African Americans, came out of slavery. Think about this, brother. We are the only race of people that didn't ask to come to this country. Our ancestors were bought, stolen, and kidnapped brought over here to become owned? How can you own a human being? But that's mm-hmm. what happened. So it's still the same. It is still the same. Look, I just wrote uh, Ted Fortenberry, who is the general manager for uh, um, WLBP. I wrote him a letter. Mm-hmm about it because that's the station that uh, Jeopardy comes on. You think he said anything about it? No. No. Mm. We better wake up as a race of people, though. Mm-hmm. I'm very serious. Right. And uh, as I stated, uh, and I'm glad the question was asked also about, quote, the relationship of uh, planet, urban planet, and what happened at Jackson State and coming from Jackson State. Look at the neighborhood adjacent to Jackson State University. And keep in mind now that one of the most prominent professionals in this country, Deion Sanders, is going to be, it is the head coach of Jackson State University, and the neighborhoods are still the same. Look at, look at Lake Street. But compare Lynch Street to what just happened on North State Street in the Fondren area. They have a brand new uh, street down. It's been repaved. They have sidewalks, mm-hmm. new lighting, and everything. Over mm-hmm. 13 years ago, they had a public hearing at my church at Lynch Street. The engineering firm, ABMB, and Eric Jefferson was the spokesperson. He's a black engineer. He said... He was speaking, and representatives from the city 
they were there. I have all of the uh, notes and the signatures of hundreds of people who were there. I have all of this. And they said, we have the funding to repay Lit Street, to put in new sidewalks, uh, new lighting, and aesthetics. Drive down Lit Street. Lit Street is almost like a damn racetrack uh, for people. That's how our church has been run into. It's boarded up now because the car was hit. It was driving so fast. One car hit this other car, knocked it <clears throat> about 40 yards into our church and tore it up. Mm-hmm. You see? But this happens every day. But I went, I spoke to the city council virtually. They still didn't do anything. So I went down there in person. I know all of them. I went in person and gave them pictures of the boarded-up damn houses right behind our church, in front of our church, next door to um, Cook's Funeral Home, the apartment complex right next to the church. Drive down off the vista. You got Representative Alice Clark stays there. Dr. Robert Smith, who one of the one of the civil rights medical doctors during during the seventies and eighties and even to present day. Marvell Turner, they stay right there on on all of this. You have to zigzag to dodge the pothole. We need revitalization to occur, not twenty years from now, right damn now. Yeah. Excuse my French, yeah. but I just have to say it the way it is. We have to do, we have to change the physical condition of our neighborhoods. That will change the criminal aspect as well. It would also change and improve economic development. Sure. I didn't mean sure. to get off the subject, but it's, it's important. Oh, no. See, see here's, here's the thing, no. and that's, that's why we wanted to, to do this show. And, and I was just about to say to Chuck, I don't know if we could have had a, a better guest for this first uh, in the series for black history uh, because, you man, you touched on it all, you know, um, right. economic development, right. politics, urban planning, uh, everything that was born out of that uh, uh, that event on May 15, 1970 and still flourishing or or – uh, things that we're still struggling with. So, Lap, I just I just want to tell you again, man. You know, thanks for coming on. Thanks for the work that you've done over the years. And, and Chuck, I got to tell you this, man. I'm gonna hand it to you. Uh, clearly, I think you picked up on our listeners picked up on that, that I've known Lap Baker a long time, and and I met oh, him sure you know, through my mother, who you know went to Jackson State with him. So he and I, <laughs> over the years, excuse me, have been on a lot of programs together, and. Uh-huh. Uh, whether I go before him or after him, it's always a pleasure just to be, you know, around when he's speaking on the history of West Jackson and what Jackson State means to the world. But I always get this mm. one jab in, Chuck, and I, and I introduce <laughs> him, or I remind the audience who, you know, who may not know it that, you know, y'all don't know this, but Lap Baker is actually my grandfather, and I'm glad to have him here. And, and, and people just gasp, like, man, I didn't know that was your granddaddy. And I have to tell him I'm just playing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so Chuck, I got to tell you, man, it, it's been outstanding to have my granddad on Tiger Talk with me, and, uh, <laughs> and and Chuck, you know, I think, man, he he has given us, you know, some food for thought, um, 
that that this is the kind of show that 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 we have to keep in the mix and not just wait until February because there's so many wonderful stories that come out of 1400 Lynch Street, Chuck. Yeah, no doubt about it. Black history, black history should be 365 days a a year. Mm. Yes, sir. Not just in February. Left, I wanted to close out on on this question here uh, Uh in terms of. And, and you mentioned uh, Deion Sanders, uh, Coach Prime, being head coach at Jackson State. Uh-huh. Uh, you are uh, as much of a historian uh, of, of Jackson State uh, as anybody we talk to here on Tiger Talk. But, you know, from your perspective, his presence as being head coach at Jackson State, do you think it could have an impact from a political and, and, and economic impact beyond just him being the head coach of Jackson State. Oh, yeah, that's most definite. And that's why the things that I just mentioned about revitalization, they need to occur because this man, he has the, the power to bring economic development to not only Jackson but to Hines County and to to this uh, metropolitan area, and to the state of Mississippi. See, white folks know that. <laughs> and, and they're going to take advantage of it. Just remember what I just said, just then. Remember that. They're mm. going to take advantage of it. This man is a powerful man. You see him on TV, on the commercials, all of them, Subway. Yes, sir. Um, um. All of those commercials, you see him on the uh, Lay's potato chips and stuff, he, that's a powerful man, you see. Yes, and we can do this. We can make the changes. But we have too many, not too many, but a few um, blacks who are looking out for self and not for us. You see, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be weak. Not I. Yes, sir. It's supposed to be we. we. Not I. And we need black men to stand up and start talking with these young brothers specifically. And I want to leave you with something. I'm not going to uh, recite the, the other uh, poem. I want to leave you with this since I was on the subject. This is a, a black experience that I wrote called, Where Are All the Black Men? When I was growing up in my in my hometown, you could see black men all around. They used to respect black women and children too. There wasn't anything that they wouldn't do. During the sixties, their mission was to get an education. Could it be that they are all on vacation? Black men were those who we wanted to model. What I'm seeing now is very hard to swallow. They would teach kids what's right and what's wrong. Then all of a sudden, they were all gone. Some black men are really making it big. So why don't they give some young brother a gig? Come back, black men. We have a job to do. Black women are raising the children, so where are you? Are you an endangered species, as some people say? If you are not yet, you will be someday. 
Where are all the black men? Are they dead or in the pen? And I'll end with that. Mm. Powerful. Wow. Chuck? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Chuck Bishop. Uh this this is Woo. this has been a good one, man. This is this has been yes, a good man. one. I, I wanna you know, as always, Chuck, it's good to, to be with you on Tiger Talk and, and man to kick off this series. Uh you know, where we just look at JSU's impact above and beyond athletics and to start that conversation off with, with James Lap Baker, or, or should I say, because one of the things <laughs> I learned from him, our guest guy, I, I, I got not learned but got reintroduced to is that white folks would change their name. So we had Jim Lap Baker with us. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, what what you think, man? Man, this was, this was phenomenal. And this is, uh, you talk about the uh, the history uh, of, of Wes Jackson and, and really taking us back into a time period uh, that's un- unlike any other. Uh, this was phenomenal. I, I so appreciate this lap in terms of yeah. uh, what we try to do. We, we try to bridge uh, that, that, that gap between uh, the older alums and the, and the newer generation so that they can know uh, how impactful Jackson State University is. So thank you so very much. Anytime I'm available, anytime, as long as the law, the law has a reason for me, for you, for Daryl, and for everyone else to be here, as it always been stated, that the law has a plan for each and every one of us. We just don't know the day nor the hour. Mm. That's right. Well said. Yes, sir. Well said. Well said. We all, this has been a, another great episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Uh, I want to thank our guest, my grandfather, James Lap Baker, for being <laughs> with us. Uh, my right-hand man this time around, I'm, I'm, he's on my right, uh, Charles Chuck Bishop. And uh, we're going to be back with more episodes like this as we continue our Black History Month. So, again, on behalf of Charles Bishop, our super dope producer, D. Corey C., and our special guest today, James, James Lap Baker, thank you all for listening to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.